Welcome to the Jesse Garcia Show, your half-hour home for politics, culture, and art. We come to you every week with a new story about your world. Today's guest is Mark Lee of the Human Rights Campaign. Mark manages HRC's public education campaigns and research studies within the foundation. He will speak about new reports recently issued by HRC, the Latinx LGBTQ Youth Report, and the Latinx Coming Out Resource Guide. Thank you for following The Jesse Garcia Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more information about the podcast, visit jessegarciashow.com. Attention future and current college students. LULAC Lambda invites high school seniors and college students attending schools in the District of Columbia to apply for its scholarship, targeting students from the LGBTQ Latinx community. Applications available at lulaclambda.org are being accepted through January 8, 2019. Applicants must have a 2.5 grade point average on a 4.0 scale and be enrolled at a DC high school, college, or university. Apply today at www.lulaclambda.org. And here's your weekly news update. Since launching in 1997, the Smithsonian Latino Center has collaborated throughout the Smithsonian National Museum family and beyond to promote a national dialogue on the role of museums and cultural centers in advancing Latino community cultural development. And now, a powerful California Latino family whose wealth was made in medicine has given the Smithsonian Latino Center a shot in the arm, so to speak. A $10 million gift was bestowed on December 6 for a permanent gallery space that will focus on Latinos. Five siblings collectively made this founding gift in memory of their father, Dr. C. David Molina, a healthcare leader in California who founded the publicly traded Fortune 500 company, Molina Healthcare Incorporated. The new permanent section at the American History Museum will be called the Molina Family Latino Gallery. The space will be for audiences of all ages and backgrounds to find common ground, share intersecting experiences, and present perspectives that are not bound by nationality. A welcome area will provide a framework for the history and concepts presented in the gallery's rotating exhibitions. The planned inaugural exhibition, Making Home, Latino Stories of Community and Belonging, will examine the historical roots of Latino culture as it shaped the continent and the United States. Also making a financial contribution for this gallery, Target, the department store retailer chipped in $2 million. So make plans to come to the District of Columbia in 2021 to check out the gallery that will occupy 4,500 square feet of exhibition space on the National Mall. For more information on this new gallery and future Smithsonian Latino Center programs, visit www.latinosi.edu. That's latino.si.edu.
In 2017, the Human Rights Campaign and the University of Connecticut embarked on a study that surveyed LGBTQ teens throughout the United States. More than 12,000 respondents ranging in age from 13 to 17 years gave researchers insight into their world, and the results were quite bleak. 77% reported feeling depressed. 95% had trouble sleeping at night, and 70% felt hopelessness. What would trigger these high levels of stress and anxiety? The survey showed that only 26% felt safe in their school classrooms, and just 5% said their school teachers and staff members were supportive of LGBTQ people. This year, HRC took the responses of Latinx youth who participated in the survey to focus on their particular experiences and release a separate report called the 2018 Latinx LGBTQ Youth Report. HRC Foundation Senior Content Manager Mark Lee, who works in its Public Education and Research Department, will discuss the genesis of the project, what were the significant findings, and how HRC is working with partners on the ground to improve the conditions for a healthier outlook for queer children of color. He will also talk about a companion piece called the Latinx Coming Out Resource Guide, which shares the journeys of coming out in an intersectional world. I want to welcome to the show Mark Lee, who's been with the Human Rights Campaign for almost two years. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up at Human Rights Campaign. Yeah. So I've been working at the Human Rights Campaign for nearly two years now. Um, it's been an incredible experience. Uh, my background is actually in research um, and in writing and content delivery. And so uh, I've been having the opportunity to utilize that instead of um, kind of in, instead of in the private sector, instead of for kind of government related things to actually using it for the LGBTQ community and specifically on these reports um, for youth of color and young people of color, which has been absolutely incredible. Awesome. So what spurred HRC to commission this report on Latinx LGBTQ folks? Um, certainly, yeah. So this youth survey that we actually came out with is kind of a follow-up on a, on a report that we released about five years ago um, where we surveyed around 10,000 LGBTQ youth. It's one of the largest studies that's ever been conducted. And so in the past year, uh, we decided to relaunch it for 2018 um, with new data, new information, um, different questions. And so we actually gathered over 12,000 responses from young people across the country, ages 13 through 17. Um, and as part of that release, we wanted to make sure to kind of understand specific communities, specific um, subgroups of uh, LGBTQ youth. And so that's where we came up with releasing a Latinx specific one. So how many Latinx folks? Um, do you have a breakdown of that number? Yeah, we had around uh, nearly 3,000 actually. Um, so that's a good number. Yeah, from all 50 states. Um, and just really, you know, we really wanted to make sure we had a large representation, obviously. With the territories included? Uh, yes. Puerto Rico? Yes. Okay, great. Um, so we really wanted to make sure that we had folks, uh, a strong representation for youth of color. Um, and so we have breakdown reports for um, the API community coming up, um, for the black and African-American community, as well as for trans and gender expansive youth. Amazing. What were some of the significant findings that you found in this report? Mm -hmm. 
Definitely. Well, you know, one of the biggest things to think about is uh, having this data is even one of the biggest significant findings. We know that there's there's unfortunately not too much out there. Um, it's hard to study youth in general, um, but specifically for both Latinx and LGBTQ, that intersection. Um, we were just so excited to have this information. Um, we had some really great data on kind of the lived experiences and the complexities of intersectionality. So. Um, similar to the other response in the study, we found that unfortunately um, many Latinx youth are, uh, you know, who are LGBTQ hear family members say negative things about their identities or uh, face um, kind of alarming levels of depression or anxiety or feelings of hopelessness. Um, but we also did some additional questions kind of asking about their experiences as youth of color. Um, and unfortunately we learned that many of them have been teased about their ethnicity or their race. Um, or only uh, one of the biggest findings, um, and this is kind of similar to many other youth of color, um, for Latinx youth, they told us that only 7% of them believe that Latinx people are regarded positively in the United States. Um, and you can That's imagine- really sad. Yeah, and that kind of impact on self-esteem, self-confidence, and overall well-being. Yeah. So there's also a coming out guide mm -hmm. for Latinx folks that y'all put together. What were the subject matter experts used for this one? And what has been the response? Um, the response has been really great. I think we were really, uh, we wanted to think about how we could create something um, that would be most relevant to, you know, an audience of young people who are coming out of the closet or um, kind of speaking with their families and, and kind of navigating the world as LGBTQ young people, um, both their identities being uh, queer, but also their identities being a person of color and Latinx specifically, right? I mean, it's like an audacious effort to put out a coming out guide. You know, because we don't have that. You know, there's doesn't a, a rule book is not out there. Mm -hmm. People have to navigate, and they have their own journeys. I had my own journey. Mm -hmm. I came out to uh, my friends. I'm 47. Came out when I was in my 20s, really the age of 20 in college. When I left my hometown of South Texas, Brownsville, went to San Antonio, met other folks who were already were already out, and that's when I started feeling comfortable coming out. And it took me almost 15 years before I even came out to my mom in my, when I turned 35, 36, where I, it was done, not because I was afraid she was going to reject me, but I just didn't want to disappoint her. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there was so many levels of emotions going on because it, it was just like, she was such a supportive mom and I just didn't want to burden her with this, oh, by the way, you know? Uh, she had gone through a divorce and illness, and I'm just like, I just don't want to lay this on her, you know? Mm -hmm. But the time had come because she decided one day, like I was telling you earlier, she wanted, this was back in the early 2000s, mm -hmm. wanted a computer. She wanted internet access. And I was like, by then, I had become this Dallas gay rights activist. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh my God, when she punches my name in that Google search, she's going to come out with all these articles of me you know, in gay pride parades, protesting in Austin, Texas for LGBT rights. So uh, I, I had to have that conversation with her. So I'm glad that y'all put like a guide out there to help guide people. And I'm, uh, I'm assuming journeys have been shared. 
Well, I think one of the biggest part of it is sharing those stories and even affirming there are other folks with similar experiences. Yeah. I don't know about you, but, you know, for many of us who are people of color or, you know, when we're young, we don't often have. First of all, it's, you know, it's more and more common to see maybe LGBTQ role models, but it's not as common to see LGBTQ people of color role models. And yeah. even more specifically, maybe your specific identity or your race or ethnicity. Right. Even seeing folks speak in the language with their parents or or, or things like that. And so. Within each of these resources, we wanted to make sure to really share those stories, to capture, um, to show folks, you know, you're not alone. There's other folks who have faced this, who are currently facing this, and to really say, like, there are ways, you know, this is tough, but there are ways that, you know, here are some advice, here are some guidance, here are some strategies you can use as you're navigating that difficult time. I would have loved to have that resource <laughs> when I came out to my mom. Luckily, Lupita being Lupita, people are very familiar with her. She's a very progressive mom. It only took her not even a whole day to say everything's going to be fine. You know, other family members were like, oh, dear, let's try to keep it within the family. But mm -hmm. my mom was like, if anyone ever says anything to you about this, you let me know and I'll mm. take and I'll handle it. That's it great. will be handled, you know, and God bless her. She's always been on my, you know, why did I ever think it would be anything but supportive but mm -hmm. i just didn't want to disappoint my family you know yeah and luckily it's i'm glad that we had this conversation because other members of my families have, have come out mm -hmm. and i've kind of paved the yeah. road for them you know so it's just it's important to be out in in, in your families and to s sort of set the example of way this could be a positive thing yeah, and these resources, so I love that you say that because there's two parts of these resources I'm thinking about. One of them is just, like I said, how important that visibility is, even in your own community, even if, you know, whether it's we see public figures, we see actors, or we see entertainers or politicians who are coming out, but also within our communities, it's important yes. to... Um, you know, if you're able to, and again, everybody has a different situation. Everyone has their own circumstances. But if it's safe for you to do so, to be visible, because it can really make an impact not just on another, you know, LGBTQ kid, but also on their family, right? And you know, when one relative is accepting, we find that it's more likely that other relatives will become more open-minded and follow, right? So, who's featured in this coming out day? Um, we have a large number of folks. Uh, um, we, we had some folks that we reached out to who are local activists. Um, uh, we were really lucky to have um, some really great staff in-house who also contributed their stories for Latinx. And I think that just uh, it goes to the, the te you know, testament of how important it is to engage and have make sure that you know the folks who are working in advocacy and organizations like HRC are diverse and are able to share those stories. And so um, it you know it was a real privilege to work with folks who uh, were able to share their stories and and even connect us with other folks in the community. Now it's going to be translated into Spanish, or it, has it already has been. Oh, know? great! So Where can people get these um, mm -hmm. both of these documents that y'all put out? Yeah, so they both can be found on the HRC website. The youth report is. Uh, the URL is hrc.im slash Latinx youth. And the coming out resource is hrc.im slash Latinx coming out. And that'll link you. There's a Spanish language version of the uh, coming out resource already. And we are about to finish uh, designing the Spanish version of the youth report. And that will be online very soon as well. That's good to know. Now, Aside from these two documents that y'all put together, these two studies, the guide mm -hmm. and the study, uh, what else is Human Rights Campaign doing to improve the conditions for 
use of color. Mm -hmm. Certainly. Um, I mean, I think HRC's overall approach right now is really we're focusing in on, on intersectional efforts. We recognize that, you know, if efforts aren't intersectional, if we're not thinking about how to serve communities of color, then we're not really fully serving the community, right? Um, so uh, what's really exciting about this data and these resources is that they really help our efforts, um, especially we have a children, youth, and families team who engage with um, teachers, educators. Yeah, I, I was about to mm -hmm. say um, in the 2000s, I remember hearing how you were trying to engage the school. Yeah. Because, I mean, in 2000, it's like everything changed. I, I call it the Will and Grace effect <laughs> or Ellen. When we started seeing them on TV, young children started coming out. Mm -hmm. We hadn't had that problem. Well, where I'm from in Texas, we started getting phone calls about kids coming out in, in high school and then elementary and junior high. And we we're like, do you have any resources, especially in Spanish? Exactly. And it was just like, oh, my God, these kids are not waiting until college like I did. They're decided they're ready to come out at this age. What do we do? I mean, we were like we had no resources available to us. So it was important to see HRC back then start thinking about engaging schools mm -hmm. and, and even having a religion section where they yep. were engaging churches that were welcoming to help us with this new generation that's coming out earlier and not only are they coming out earlier but i mean i mean like i said so in the survey itself that you know in that report you know we have folks who are 13 14 who are who have come out for years right but not only that but they're actually we find that a lot of them i mean it's incredible this new, new generation of folks is uh, of these kids who are they they're also coming out and expressing their identities and kind of even further ways that almost it's almost like an evolution of understanding of identities right using terminology that we may not be familiar with right yes um concepts that may not have existed or been in widespread like pansexual or or demisexual there's a lot of terms that they're they've discovered and realizing that that's what describes who they are and so expanding that awareness and 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 kind of the uniqueness of each kid and 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 their identity um it's been it's been really great and we hope that these resources are useful for those educators and other youth serving professionals. Great, and if people, teachers, educators, counselors mm -hmm. um, want to get involved with this, mm -hmm. who can they contact at HRC? Um, that's a big question. I, <laughs> I mean, it kind of depends on, on who they are. I would recommend anybody who is youth serving the CYF, the Children, Youth and Families program, okay. actually does kind of touch upon each of those types of um, folks. Um, we have, you know, a big conference coming up in February um, that kind of convenes everyone together. Um, is in Washington, D.C.? or This year it's in Anaheim, California. Okay, great. So um, look yeah. out for that in February 2019. Yes, February 2019th. Um, okay. and, uh, but we also have a large number of resources available online for teachers, um, for uh, child welfare workers, um, kind of a wide range of things. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing all this information that you all put together. Thank you. Of course. Thank uh, you. It's going to help a lot of lives out there. <laughs> and again, it's hrc.org. Check out that conference coming up in February in Anaheim, California. And thank you so much. Uh, Mark for being on the show. Thank you, Jesse.